Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 27, which is brought to you by Pingdom. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How's it going, Federico? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? I am excited that we are just a couple weeks away from WWDC. It feels mm-hmm. so weird that we are, you know, almost in the middle of June now, and we haven't had WWDC yet. Have you felt that the last couple of weeks? Just like, wait a minute, what's going on? It's very strange. Like, um, I have a like a brief anecdote for you. Like, in uh, on June second, it's a national holiday in Italy, right? Um, and this time, because uh, I was not in the United States for WWDC, my girlfriend and I we went to the beach, and there's this this really good pizza place that we like to uh, order pizza whenever we go to the to the town where my parents have a beach house. And because it was a national holiday, I I asked her, uh, "Do we know if the like the pizza place is actually open on June 2nd? And by that time, like she told me, "Yeah, I think it's gonna be open." And I realized I I have no idea if it's open or not because I've never been here on June 2nd for the past few years because it that's exactly when I leave for California. So that you know that national holiday, spending the national holiday in Italy, made me realize I am not used to being in Italy in the first week of June. So it was a very strange feeling. I think uh, for the past, so I've been going, I've been attending WWDC. Uh, since 2016, so my first one was the last one in San Francisco at Moscone, and then I've done all the three that Apple held in San Jose. And so it was very strange to to spend the first week in Italy, first week of June in Italy, and be like, okay, what am I going to do now? There's no, <laughs> there's no sessions to watch, there's no announcements to follow, I guess I, I'll just continue planning the summer and whatever's going to happen next. So very strange feeling, I'm not used to it, but... Now I'm switching gears and I'm going into full anticipation mode. Yeah, and it's going to be, I guess, even stranger for you than for me once the conference actually comes, because I've never been. And so I'll be watching it from home as usual, depending on what Apple does for the keynote and how that goes with the different restrictions that they have. It, it may still be weird, but but yeah, I'll, I'll still be at home as usual. So um, I guess the weirdness will continue for you as, since you're so used to going every year. Yeah, and I guess. We should say right now that for now, our plan is to cover uh, whatever is going to be announced in terms of iPad and iPadOS in the next episode of Adapt, which is due to come out a couple of days after the theoretical keynote day. We're all assuming that there's going to be some kind of keynote on June 22nd when WWDC start, uh, starts. So right now, the plan is to uh, dedicate the next episode of Adapt two potential iPad announcements at WWDC, but right now it's all up in the air because we have no idea. Uh, first of all, is there going to be a keynote? <laughs> like, and in what kind, in what form? But also we don't know if, is there going to be anything iPad OS related? We hope so. So we should say up front that uh, the, in theory, the next episode, we will cover WWDC announcements, but hey, maybe there's going to be no iPad changes this year. Don't, really don't say that. that. Please don't say I that. I know. I know. But, you know, I just, I don't want to be too optimistic, but also, I, I, you know, crossing my fingers at the same time. Yeah. So we, we've been in this series where we're talking about using the iPad as your primary computer. We've talked about hardware, talked about different iPad OS concepts. And then today we're starting a discussion on apps, which is, I think, a, a particular favorite subject for you and I. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone who knows our work at Mac Stories will know that that's true. So we're going to talk about apps in a bunch of different categories, and uh, you can explain a little bit about that in a second. But 
we won't get to all the categories today because there's just too much to talk about. And so yeah. we'll, we'll get started on it today. Next episode, we'll be taking a break from the series, talking about iPadOS 14, we hope, assuming that's a thing. And then we'll get back to things uh, after that. But yeah, so you want to go in a little more depth on exactly our thinking behind our discussion of apps here? Yes. So my idea was to uh, cover some of the common areas of the idea of working on the iPad. So breaking down this discussion into separate um, types of activities and tasks that people normally perf- want to perform, want to achieve on a computer, uh, whether that's, you know, in this case, uh, it would be a tablet, it would be an iPad. And I thought the idea of like, I just bought an iPad and I want to use it as my primary computer. What are some of the best apps that I can download from the App Store? And that's that would be, a, that, that's a very tough question because of the variety and the breadth of, of choices available on the App Store. So I felt that it was necessary to break it down into specific compartments, into specific areas, and try to talk about some of our favorite picks for each area. Uh, so that's what we're going to do in this episode and what we're going to continue, not in the next episode, but ideally in the one after that. Um, and I also want to mention how we are going to cover third-party apps, but we're also going to uh, recommend some uh, pre-installed the first-party Apple apps that you already have on your iPad, and which I think Ryan and I, we both use some of them. So um, I just figured, uh, let's just start with the obvious one, task management. We, we all love task managers. We, I don't know, maybe I, I have a love-hate relationship with task managers because I've tried so many over the years, but I feel like there's so many options on the App Store, but I, I think I found a way to 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 separate them into into uh, very distinct categories. So, first of all, there's Apple Reminders. So the standard Reminders app that was updated last year, it received a major new version last year with a new design and new features. I used to use Reminders as my only task manager until a few months ago. Then things got busier, and I switched to a different task manager. But I think for most people, for a lot of people, Reminders is a very solid uh, task, very solid and simple task manager. You can create multiple lists and you can have um, due dates, you can have um, attachments. So for example, you can attach a, a document or you can attach an image or a link, for example, to a task and you can share lists with different people. So you can have collaboration built in and obviously Reminders benefits from the system integration in that you have shortcut actions, you have rich integration with Siri, you can use reminders on the watch, you can use reminders via your HomePod or CarPlay. So very solid uh, suite of integrations all across the Apple ecosystem. And it's free and it's built in and it looks really nice in iOS 13. So uh, right off the bat, you don't have to spend any money. You can just you know try and use reminders. Um, I do feel like though, if you're looking for an upgrade, uh, from reminders, the first obvious candidate, in my opinion, would be Things, the task manager by Culture Code. Uh, Things is available on the iPhone and the uh, the iPad and the Mac, and it's available as like separate apps. So a very uh, a, a, a sort of the old model of standalone apps for each platform. And on iPad, Things is first of all a beautiful app. Uh, the design is fantastic. It looks amazing. And I consider things an upgrade from from reminders because it balances that. Uh, it's one of the few task managers that has 
in my opinion, struck a balance of remaining intuitive while giving you those extra options and those extra features that give you a bit more flexibility without necessarily overwhelming you with hundreds of options. So for example, you have, if you're using an iPad and it's very likely that you have a smart keyboard or a magic keyboard, things act as excellent integration with the keyboard and the trackpad in iPadOS. You can control, you can control every aspect of the app from the keyboard without ever lifting your hands off the, key, off, off the keyboard. You can switch between sections, you can search, you can switch between projects and, and um, open and edit tasks. It's really well done. And it also has, this is one of the, one of the best aspects of things that I've never um, seen replicated as well in, in any other task manager. It separates tasks between today and this evening. And this is a separation that makes a lot of sense for, for me um, because it allows me to, uh, to see in my task manager like what are the things that I'm supposed to do during the day and what are the things that I can do in the, in the evening when I'm done working. And so that, that for me has always been like a very easy way to manage the sort of the energy level of my tasks. And it's done in a way that it's not based on due dates and due times. You can just say today and this evening and the app will take care of that for you. So, and plus you have, I mean, you have tags, um, you can have notes, you have shortcuts integration, you have um, URL schemes if you're looking for that type of uh, more complex automation. So uh, very solid. It's based on a proprietary uh, syncing system called the Things Cloud. It works really well. It's beautiful. It supports all the modern features, multi-window, dark mode, etc. Really well done. And I think if you're looking for an upgrade from Reminders, this is potentially the first one you should be you should be considering. Uh, I know Ryan that you also like Things, but you don't use Things, but you do appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful app, and it is it does a, such a great job of maintaining the simplicity of an app like Reminders, but also adding additional options if you need them. So yeah, I, I think the recommendation of that being one thing to look at if you like Reminders, but it isn't quite powerful enough for you, then Things is, is a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Now swinging in the complete opposite direction, if you're looking for power, and if you're looking for power user features and lots of options and settings, OmniFocus is the is the obvious choice here. OmniFocus is the task manager that I'm currently using um, for a very specific reason. Um, OmniFocus is is the kind of task task manager that allows you to completely control the flow of your tasks, and by that I mean it lets you create your own custom views called perspectives, and it lets you decide which tasks you want to see at any given time. So a big idea behind OmniFocus is, in addition to the obvious stuff like you have projects and you have folders and you have tags, you can make a task available or not. So unlike other task managers that only have a due date, OmniFocus has both due dates and deferred dates. This used to be called start dates. And the idea behind the deferred date is some tasks you know they're going to be due at some point, right? But you don't want to see them until they're due. You want to defer them to a specific date. So for example, for me right now, I, just, I can give you a practical example. I know that I need to have a cover for the ebook version of my iOS 14 review done by September 1st, because that's my deadline. But I don't want to see that task until in the middle of August. 
So I created a task for it in OmniFocus and I said, it's due on September 4, but start showing me this task starting August 15. So I don't need to see it. I don't need to worry about it until I can actually start doing something about it. So that's, this is one of, the bigger, uh, one of the big ideas behind OmniFocus, the idea of seeing tasks only when they're available to you based on deferred dates. And that is something that requires, just like the rest of OmniFocus, I think, a lot of uh, experimentation at first in trying to understand what do you actually want from your task manager, which is why you can find all kinds of resources and documentation and articles around the web about using OmniFocus and understanding the flow of tasks and dates in OmniFocus. And that to me is such a big deal at the moment, like the ability to create custom perspectives and to say in this custom view, which can actually become like um, a, a view in the sidebar, you can pin these perspectives in the sidebar of OmniFocus. Um, that's, a, that's such a big deal because it lets me sort of make my own modular task manager where I, it, it fundamentally changes depending on the view that I select. And so I have perspectives that show me all my tasks and some that only show me tasks that are available to me right now. I have another perspective that shows me stuff that I, could, that I need to worry about in the future. So insane amount of customization. And then, of course, you have uh, these advanced options, right? Um, you can have multiple notifications per, tap, per task, for example. You can have support for floating time zones. You have uh, an inspector where you can drill down into the detail of an individual task. So OmniFocus is the task manager for power users. Again, it's available everywhere, and you can choose to purchase it as a standalone app with an in-app purchase, or you can sign up for the subscription. There's lots of pricing flexibility there, but definitely this is the, the, the option for power users if you want absolute control over your task, and if you want to make your own task manager, essentially, uh, this is what I would recommend. Um, also for power users, I would mention good task. So good task is sort of like a mix of reminders and omnifocus from a, from a certain point of view, because good task has a lot of power user options. Like OmniFocus, it lets you create your own custom views. They are called um, smart lists in GoodTask, but it's essentially the same idea. You create your own personalized view based on specific matching criteria. The thing about GoodTask is that it uses reminders as the database for your tasks. So it uses reminders as a syncing system, essentially, as a database, and it's a reminders client. So it does custom stuff on top of reminders. Uh, that allows you to do things like continue using Siri, for example, on your iPhone or the Apple Watch, to quickly enter new reminders, but then you can open GoodTask and you will see your, your reminders in there because GoodTask Good task is based on the reminders database. And I think uh, this is the task manager that I used to use before reminders, so I used GoodTask for well over a year, I would say between uh, 2018 and 2019, and it's really solid, lots of options, potentially even more settings than OmniFocus itself. Very full-featured. The developer is continuously coming up with new additions and new, um, new settings that you can play around with. And you can, in the latest version, it also supports rich links. So the same rich links that you can see in Reminders, you can actually also see in GoodTask. This is something that the developer figured out how to support because Apple does not have an official API for this, but somehow the developer figured out how to display those rich links. And you can do 
subtasks, you can do attachments, very full-featured, but based on reminders. Um, next, I think we should just briefly mention, uh, and I'm collecting all of this together, um, cross-platform services. Because maybe you use an iPad, but it's not your only device, right? Maybe you use an iPad, but then you also need to have your tasks um, on your PC at your day job, or maybe you want to have them on your phone, or maybe you have another computer. There's all sorts of reasons why you may want to be using a, 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 a service that has support for multiple platforms, including the web. And I think the obvious choice here is Todoist, Todoist which I used to use um, four years ago, I want to say, uh, is available everywhere. So you can use Todoist on the web, on the Mac, on a PC, on via uh, the Amazon Echo. It's available on all sorts of platforms. Um, you, Ryan, recently wrote about, I think, the new upcoming view in Todoist. Yeah, they've really been doing a good job lately at trying to not only add task management features such as the upcoming view, which is kind of like, uh, it, it's similar to the OmniFocus, um, oh, what's it called? The uh, the forecast. The, the forecast, yeah. Where yeah. at the top of the screen, you'll see about a week's worth of days and you can you can click on each one to quickly jump to it and there's a little dot if there are tasks there. Um, I like what OmniFocus does better where it actually shows you the number of tasks that are set mm. for that day. Todoist doesn't do that. Um, but they've done that. But then the area that, that I really care about even more, honestly, is that they're doing a good job of adopting, you know, system features. So like on iPadOS, adding good cursor support, um, adding things like context menus. They're really making Todoist feel more like a native app, even though it is web-based. And that's pretty rare with lots of web-based apps. There's, there's certain apps, and we'll, we'll actually name a few in a little bit, where you can really tell that they're not native experiences, um, whether it's delays in different screens that load or just yeah. things that don't work the right way. The, you know, the right way being the way that you know, a standard native system app would. Um, but yeah, Todoist, I, I've been really impressed. I've actually been considering switching to Todoist as my main task manager. Um, I use Reminders right now, and I'm holding off because WWDC is around the corner, and it's possible Apple will add some upgrades to Reminders this year. Uh, I don't have my hopes up too high because the app sat you know, untouched for many years before last yeah. year's big redesign, but, um, but I want to hold off for now to see what Apple does uh, with the new updates. But if they don't change much of anything, I'm really thinking I might switch to Todoist. Uh, the biggest strength to me is the natural language input for creating new tasks where yeah. you can just, uh, with a keyboard shortcut, you can enter into task creation mode and then you can just type out your task and type out a due date and the app will automatically recognize that due date and make it, you know, if you said today or if you said next Wednesday, and you can even use abbreviations in that, um, but it'll recognize that information and, you know, modify your task appropriately you can do a hashtag and then the name of the project that you want that task to be assigned to. And so you can create your tasks and set all the different metadata for them entirely using the keyboard, which I'm shocked that there are very few other apps that offer such a feature because it's so nice. Um, it, it's so nice just being able to quickly knock things out with a keyboard, not having to kind of tap around to different elements of the screen to set a due date or set a project. 
so I'm I'm really strongly considering going to Todoist. I've used it in the past, but uh, not in a while. But I've been re- really impressed with what they've been doing with it lately. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention um, a couple of other cross-platform task managers. Um, Tick Tick is is one. I know that a lot of a lot of folks, including MKBHD, I think this is where I first saw Tick Tick. Uh, use this service. Um, it's a cross-platform task manager that integrates um, standard uh, task functionality with calendars. And I know that in, a premium, in, in the premium version, you have features like smart lists and you can collaborate on projects with other people. You can track your progress. So you have things like charts and reports that you can see in the app and it's available everywhere. Uh, there's also Microsoft To Do which I know that a lot of folks don't like because it's not as good as a Wonderlist, which is the service that Microsoft acquired a few years ago and then recently shut down uh, for good. Um, Microsoft To Do is you know, very much like a, uh, what you mentioned, like uh, an app that behaves natively on iOS. And you can tell that To Do is very much like a custom thing with custom UI elements that are, um, you know, it, it's part of the Microsoft ecosystem. Uh, but it integrates with Outlook, it integrates with other Microsoft products. So if you live in that ecosystem, I think it's a very good option. And I also shouldn't mention, because otherwise our friend Stephen Hackett would be very annoyed at us, remember the milk? Uh, yes, it's the task management service with the icon that is a cow, like the animal. Um, I don't understand why it's still called remember the milk, but if you can look past the icon and past the name, I think it's a very good uh, cross-platform task manager that has a lot of um, power user functionality like smart lists and filters and keyboard shortcuts and it's continuously updated and it's been around forever. It's a company that has always uh, relied on like the freemium model, like you can use it for free, but then if you want to take advantage of the premium stuff, you got to pay. I think Remember the Milk was around when I started Mac Stories over 10 years ago, and it's still around today, and there's a lot of folks who are very passionate about it. So uh, it totally deserves a mention here. Lastly, I want to quickly touch upon uh, different approaches to task management that I uh, do not necessarily use myself as my primary task managers, but I know that some people do. There's the Kanban approach, so that would be like to... uh, there's a, I know there's uh, folks who prefer to use instead of a traditional list uh, for to manage their tasks to use a to use a visual board. So Trello, for example, uh, is a quite possibly the most popular Kanban um, service around. We use Trello at Mac Stories to manage things like our editorial calendar and the sections that we want to write about in Mac Stories Weekly, our newsletter. But I know that there's individual users who rely on Trello as their task manager because you can have multiple cards inside each list and you can have due dates, you can have attachments. So it is possible to use Trello as your own personal task manager. If you don't like Trello, uh, I I think I've heard uh, our friend Brett Terpstra mention this service before. MeisterTask is another Trello-like service that looks really good, like it's got that fantastic design that reminds me of things in a way. I think actually MeisterTask, Meister like things, is also made in Germany. So, you know, German, the tradition of German design, really, really, absolutely fantastic. Um, and MeisterTask is like Trello, 
but more polished, like visually speaking. And it's got integrations uh, with Zapier and IFTTT and other online services. And it's got a web app and an iPad version. And if you're looking for like, if you want to manage your tasks in, in, a, in a Kanban board, I think this is definitely like a, um, something worth playing around with because you can download it for free. You can see if you like it and then you can sign up for the premium service. And Ryan, lastly, you uh, recently covered in Mac Stories Weekly this new app called, I think it's just called Tasks, which uh, is available on iPad and it combines uh, the reminders design language with the Jira methodology, right? Yes. So it looks a lot like reminders, but Jira, which I I was unfamiliar with until looking into this app, uh, it's kind of the concept of you've got different stages for each of your tasks where there's tasks that you're doing uh, or tasks that that are already done. There's there's three different um, kind of lists that are laid out in columns similar to a Trello mm-hmm. design, um, but if I believe it's a do, doing, and done. So mm-hmm. tasks are in the do list, which are things that you need to get to, but you're not actively working on. If you check one of those off in the do list, then it moves on over to the doing list, and then you check off something in the doing list, then it goes over to done, and it's a nice way to you know have a overview of everything that's going on um i think partly the the app is targeted toward developers because there's actually a feature where you can set different task types and the only options that are there currently are things like bug and feature and improvement and so um it it could potentially work great for developers this kind of jira methodology but i think it could work really well for any other job as well if that mindset of managing your tasks kind of clicks with you um it's really intriguing to me i don't know if it would quite work for the things that i need right now but i i like the idea of okay this is something i'm actively working on now this is something that's completed and being able to still see all of that versus kind of the normal way that most task managers work where you just see a list of items and you can click it off and then it's gone and that's it um it's, it's definitely an interesting approach right very nice. So we also need to talk about calendar apps, also mm. a very important part of just any management of your work life. And there aren't quite as many options that we need to mention here, fortunately. There, there's a lot of task managers always. Uh, calendar apps, the, the great options are a little more limited, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. I have to mention the default calendar app that Apple makes. It's pre-installed on devices. I really like the calendar app. Um, it doesn't get a lot of changes year to year, and some some people knock on it for that. But for me, at least, and my needs, it works really well. Um, one of the things that I like most about it, and this may not apply to other people, but I really like the month view. Whenever I'm using a calendar, I prefer to use a month view, um, particularly on a bigger oh, screen, yeah. not so much oh, on yeah. like an iPhone. But um, I, I just don't like the standard week view. It just doesn't work well with me or other other kind of usual ways that calendars are visualized in apps i like the month view and one of the nice things about the calendar app on ipad is that the way that it's designed with the exact sizing of the text and uh, for all your different events you can actually see a lot on screen at once without all the different tasks and events being truncated which happens more so in other apps where maybe they use a bigger font and so you, the, the name of the task gets cut off 
or sorry, the name of the event gets cut off. Um, I really like the default calendar app, and for lots of people, it's probably all that they need. But mm. there are some excellent third-party apps as well if you want something different. Fantastical has long been kind of the gold standard of uh, pro calendar apps on Apple platforms. And that is, I think, maybe even more true than ever now because Fantastical 3 came out not too long ago. And one thing that it did is it, it essentially brought feature parity, um, maybe not 100%, but it's very close to 100% feature parity between the Mac and the iPad versions of the app. And so Fantastical... Uh, it's got a number of unique features to it. Um, it combines the local calendars that are set up on your device, such as in the settings app where you configure those, um, with different online integrations. So you can sign into additional services specifically with Fantastical that unlocks different functionality. Um, the app is a universal app with a single subscription so that you you pay that one subscription and you get access to it across iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple Watch. The iPad app now, as of Fantastic L3, has the same layout as the Mac app. It's got a nice sidebar and popovers. It's, it, it just puts a lot of power at your fingertips. There are lots of options for customizing the view of your calendar. And uh, it takes good advantage of the iPad's larger display. There is integration with tasks. So we just mentioned Reminders and Todoist. Uh, the Fantastical app actually can pull in all of your reminders, all of your Todoist tasks, and you can manage all your tasks just from this one app. So if the idea of having your tasks and your calendar events in a single place is appealing to you, Fantastical has some great options for that. Um, it has natural language support, which I mentioned earlier as a strength of Todoist. The same thing here with Fantastical, where you can type out your calendar events and it will automatically recognize different parameters such as the date that you're typing in. And it works extremely well because of the integration with different task, task management services. You can do the same thing for entering in tasks. So if you're adding Todoist tasks or Reminders tasks, you can do that in the Fantastical app and in the case of Reminders, which doesn't have quite that level of natural language input um, currently supported, it's faster in some ways to enter your tasks for Reminders into the Fantastical app than it is in the Reminders app itself, which is kind of baffling. Uh, there's this really great feature of Fantastical 3 that uh, offers built-in scheduling. So for people who are familiar with scheduling services uh, such as uh, Doodle is a popular one that I've used um, where it will essentially send out an invite to different people for an event and let them let the invitees vote on um, the available times to have that event so you know I'm trying to plan a meeting with people but I don't know what their availability is I want to send out you know five different options and then people can choose from those options and Fantastical will work out okay, the, this is the time that works best for everyone. And so make that the official event time. And it, there's a really great system that, that works even across different time zones where it will show the correct time to the different people that you've invited through the email that they get. It's a really great system. I'm sure it took a lot of work to implement it, um, but it, it works so well. 
and it doesn't require the other people that you you know are, are collaborating with that you're inviting to meetings to have Fantastical. It works entirely through email for them, so they don't have to use Fantastical. Only you do. Uh, it's a great feature. Uh, one other thing I want to mention is the idea of uh, templates and calendar sets. I, I mentioned briefly that you can customize the app, but it, it really goes deep where you can set different um, different views for different calendars, different sets of calendars. So if uh, when you're at home, you only want to see your, you know, your family calendar, your personal calendar, and maybe you have a calendar for um, I don't know, media that you're tracking. I actually do that with different uh, media releases. Uh, you can have a set of those three calendars, and so you can easily switch to just seeing those calendars. Versus at work, you've got a set of, uh, you know, three or four other calendars, and Fantastic Out allows you to quickly toggle back and forth between those sets, as well as, you know, using different layouts for them. So, the really great app, Fantastical, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, it's a fantastic app, but there are other good options as well. And uh, one calendar app that I know you have used in the past that you really love is Calendar 366. Um, yeah. I've never used this app, so wh- what, what's, what's great about this app? Why, why would you recommend it? Yeah, I used to use this app, I think, three years ago. In 2018, I want to say, um, uh, Calendar 366 is uh, very similar to Fantastical in the sense that it's got that integration with the calendar and reminders on in the same application. And it, this one I I discovered because it supported calendar sets on iPhone and iPad before Fantastical did. So Fantastical launched calendar sets on the Mac a few years ago, but Calendar 366 maybe uh, copied the feature. I don't know how that necessarily happened. But the truth of the situation was that uh, 366 allowed you to create sets combining specific calendars and specific reminders lists on iPhone and iPad as well. And that was, you know, when Fantastical didn't have the, uh, you know, the iPad app was not very good uh, a couple of years ago. And 366 supported um, multitasking and, and drag and drop, which was also another big deal at the time but also it offered calendar sets. So that was why I, I first came across uh, this application, which is still continuously updated. And I think I would recommend this one because it offers a lot of the same features in terms of like uh, managing events and tasks and having sets and drag and drop support and time zone integration, uh, but without requiring a subscription, which I think is also what the developer is highly promoting at the moment. It's it's a powerful power user calendar app that offers a lot of the same functionalities as Fantastical, maybe with a design that's not as elegant, not as polished, but it's a one-time purchase and it does not require a subscription. So if you are one of the people who, you know, if you just dislike the idea of paying a subscription for your favorite apps, which is a totally valid point of view, this is a good option and that's why I wanted to mention it. Um, and as I said, the design is perhaps a bit more utilitarian, you know, maybe a bit more functional um, than fantastical, but it absolutely gets the job done. And especially if you're looking for an alternative 
that does not require a subscription, but it also allows you at the same time to use calendar sets, I would recommend checking out this one, which is also, by the way, I know this episode is all about the iPad, but uh, Calendar 366 is also available on the iPhone, on the Apple Watch, and on the Mac. And I think on the Mac, it even comes with a menu bar mode. So lots of, lots of interesting options. We should also mention uh, Calendars by Riddle. Uh, calendars has been around forever, I think. This app is... If it's not been around for 10 years, then it's very close to that. Um, and it's still receiving new updates. For example, just a couple of weeks ago, calendars, which you can download for free from the App Store, and then if you want, you can purchase the premium version as an in-app purchase. I don't think... Maybe it's a subscription, I don't remember. It's called Calendars Pro. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, it was updated with integration uh, with Zoom and GoToMeeting and what's it called? Google Hangouts, Google Meet. Um, yeah, I think it's Google Meet now. <laughs> the yeah. the different names for Google's messaging. Oh, is, it's very confusing. It's, very yeah. confusing. <laughs> very confusing. So now you can have, like, you can click on on Zoom links in your events from calendars, and it opens directly in Zoom. So very nicely done. And it's available on the iPhone, on the iPad. Um, it's got that custom Riddle design, if you know what I mean. Like it, it's uh, it's maybe that 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 visual approach is a, is a, looks a bit old compared to say the Apple Calendar app or even Fantastical, but it's free. Lots of different interesting options. You can see your colleagues' availability, for example, now in calendars, and it's available for free on the App Store. So you can again, you can just go in, download it, and see if you like it. And I want to say that. I have a theory about calendar apps, Ryan, that I wanted to mention it. Is this a conspiracy theory? No, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just my own personal theory. I think calendar apps, there's no middle ground. So you you either are a person who needs a very simple calendar client that gets the basics right, like the Apple Calendar app, or you need a lot of power. You need a lot of flexibility from your calendar. And I think the reason why there are so... Uh, there are fewer great calendar apps compared to task managers is because there's no middle ground. I think there's a lot of middle ground to cover for a task manager. If you want to have something in the middle of reminders and OmniFocus, like Things, for example, and there's so many other options on the App Store. But for calendars, I think, I don't know why, but I think based on my experience with covering calendar apps over the years, and just, again, browsing the apps or a few days ago to refresh my memory and making sure that I was covering all the possible options, I don't think there's space for that sort of middle ground experience because I think you either need a very simple calendar or if you depend on your calendar, you need a lot of versatility from it. So maybe that explains why we have fewer options for that. I think that is a very astute observation. Uh, and Thank you. On that note, before we get into what is one of our favorite topics, I think, uh, the category of note-taking apps. Oh, yes. Let me thank our sponsor. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something that tells you everything's running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. You don't want to be one of those outages, do you? 
Uh, Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you're alerted, depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they will track and analyze your website's load time so that you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code ADAPT at checkout, and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a free trial, and then the code ADAPT when you sign up. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Federico, note-taking apps. There's a lot here to talk about, isn't there? There are a lot of options for note-taking on, on iPad. Uh, but first, I think, just like we reminders and calendar, we should mention the default standard notes app by Apple, which both of us... We, we use Notes, right? I think it's our primary note-taking system. And there's a lot to like about Notes. I think it's, um, personally speaking, along with Safari, I think it's my favorite Apple app on my iPad. Like, my, one of my two favorite uh, first-party apps on, on the iPhone and iPad. Apple Notes is very solid. Um, it, it received a major update with iOS 9, so that was a few years ago. And then again, over the years, Apple has continued adding support for a lot of uh, customization when it comes to um, formatting text and having attachments in your notes and also collaboration. And just last year, finally, Apple added support for creating subfolders on, uh, on iOS and iPadOS and also collaborating on entire folders with other people. And Apple Notes is just solid. Like the syncing is fantastic. It's rock solid for me. Um, I use Notes to collaborate with you, Ryan, and John on a lot of different notes. I love the fact that you can see rich links in notes if you uh, if you insert those rich links using the extension from the share sheet. I like that you can see all of your attachments in a specific view. And uh, just notes is the default place where I go whenever I need to save something. Uh, whenever I need to like drag and drop, for example, a link from Safari or an image from Photos, I just I think there's a lot of flexibility in Notes and it's available for free. And despite the fact that it lacks right a lot of power user options, I think you can you you can put together a very complex system if you want using the current tools available in Notes. Whether it's about formatting your text with headings and subheadings and lists and attachments and collaborations and tables, right? And you can draw with the Apple Pencil. It's a quite the feature-packed app when you think about it. And that would be like perhaps even more than reminders, I would say, go play around with notes and do not discard notes just because it's a default pre-installed application because it, it's, it's very good. Yeah, I have to give longtime Adapt listeners a bit of an update. I think the last time I mentioned my note count, I had a, a roughly 1,300 notes I'm currently over 1,500, oh so it, yeah. it just keeps on going 13, up. Did you say 1,300? 
That's where that's where so I that was. One thousand and three and three hundred. Oh my! God. No, that that that's the old number. The new number is over fifteen hundred. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's a good app. It's a good that, app. That that has to be like study material. Like I, I don't believe it's, you have like fifteen hundred personal notes. No, it's it's everything. I mean, it's I, I okay. throw so much different stuff into notes, and it's mm. I it's such a one of the things that that really I value in an app is um, just speed and how quick mm. it is to get in and out of different parts of the app, how quick it loads when you first open the app. Um, that has actually turned me away from some other note-taking options. Notes is really fast, but then, like you said, it's extremely versatile, and so I, I, I throw a lot of things into notes. Uh, to, I can't go into detail on everything, but it's a good app. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, so yeah, go go check out Notes if you haven't in a while, and hopefully you will continue to see more Apple Notes updates at WWDC. Now, let's talk about some third-party alternatives that you can check out, and there's a lot of different options here. So I would say if you're looking for maybe stand, I was going to say standard note-taking. I don't know if that's necessarily the best term because really what is a standard? But if you're looking for, let's say, primarily text, maybe in some cases even attachments, I have four picks uh, for, for adapt listeners. So first of all, I would say go check out Noto. So Noto which is something that we discovered, I discovered actually in December, so I think it was some, at some point late last year, just by randomly browsing the App Store, which Ryan covered uh, Mac Stories, and then Noto came out with a 2.0 version a few weeks ago that Ryan reviewed again, so we're going to have those links in the show notes if you want to go read both articles. Noto is like a supercharged version of Apple Notes. So it's got a bit of a different system when it comes to organizing your notes in the sidebar. It offers these larger thumbnails, and then you can use drag and drop with folders to manage your notes. But really, the, the, the key idea behind Noto is that you have a lot more flexibility when it comes to formatting your notes and when it comes to inserting attachments for in, the, in the text editor, in the, in the note view. Um, one of the absolute best features, actually two, there's two features that I really, really like about Noto and that I very much wish that Apple will copy in iOS 14. First, when you paste a link with command V, for example, it does not become a raw HTTPS URL. It automatically becomes a rich link. So just like in Apple Notes, it's a rich link with the preview and the thumbnail of the page that you're linking, that you're linking to. In Apple Notes, you can only have rich links if you append them to a note or if you use the extension. In Noto, you can just paste and it becomes a rich link automatically, which is a very nice touch. And then if you want, you can uh, tap and hold and say, make uh, like plain text link. And it becomes a, a URL, but by default, you get the rich link, which is the absolute um, best behavior in my, in my opinion. And secondly, just like notes, you can create tables in Noto. However, Tables in Noto are not limited to plain text. So you can have, this is something that I wanted to have for a long time in a note-taking app, you can have images in a table, or you can have a document attachment in a table, you can have a video in a table, and that video auto-plays when you scroll the, the note. This flexibility of like being able to format your notes however you want and to fully control the attachments is fantastic. And then there's like additional features like you can have 
uh, code snippets. You can have math equations and formulas in your notes. Really well done. So like, I think the description of a supercharged Apple Notes, I think it fits what Noto is and what Noto does. And just like the others, available on iPhone, iPad, and the Mac. And I think on the Mac, it's a Catalyst app. So And it uses CloudKit now for syncing. But then again, go check out the uh, latest review from Ryan where uh, there's more details about the new features in version 2. Similarly, I want to mention Bear. So Bear has been around for a long time. I used to use Bear a few years ago when it first came out. It's a note-taking app that combines Markdown and rich text and images and attachments. So just like Apple Notes, you can have both text and attachments, images in the same note. Um, but it's more, I think unlike Noto, Bear is more skewed toward Markdown entry because it automatically converts your markdown to rich text and it shows you like the, the headings like H1, H2, that sort of stuff. And it comes with a lot of export options for markdown and HTML and all those sorts of uh, settings. Uh, Bear is very like, it's got that elegant UI that I really appreciate. And it comes with support for uh, tagging your notes, which is very nice. Um, also available on iPhone, iPad, and the Mac based on CloudKit. Uh, so very solid, and it comes with support for automation as well. So I recommend checking out Bear. I think you can also download it for free, and then if you want, there's a, sub there's a subscription. Now, swinging in the opposite direction, uh, if you don't care about attachments and images in your notes, if you only want to enter text, there's two apps that I would recommend. The first one is Drafts. And Drafts, it started as a sort of a, as a scratch pad type of application many, many years ago. I think it first came out in 2013. In fact, you can go to Mac Stories and check out my very first review of Drafts 1.0 all you know back in the day. So this app has been around for a long time. But over the past couple of years, since Drafts switched to a subscription model, I think the nature all of the app has also shifted a little. You can still use Drafts as a, as a quick entry, a scratch pad type of deal, like whenever you want to jot down something, whether it's an address or a phone number or a link, you can just open draft and paste and you're done. But I think the most passionate drafts users rely on the app as sort of like a combination of a text editor, a note-taking app, and a sort of database of sorts for plain text, because you can have like custom actions, you can have workspaces, you can have um, scripts made with JavaScript in drafts. Um, lots of keyboard shortcuts, lots of search functionalities. It can be a little overwhelming now. If you take a look at like an advanced drafts setup, uh, it's, it very much does not look like a simple scratch pad anymore, but you don't have to use it like that. So it does have a lot of flexibility in terms, do you want to do do we want to use drafts as an advanced workspace for all kinds of text notes? And if so, there's a subscription that allows you to have a lot of those functionalities, or do you want to use it for free as a scratch pad to just paste something and add a few notes and that's it. And you can use it both ways. So uh, I think it's definitely an interesting option if you're looking for a text-only note-taking app. Uh, Draft does not support rich links, does not support images, but it's very much the power user version of, the, of, of a plain text note-taking app. Um, the fourth app that I want to mention, which is the one that I'm currently using, it's in my dock on all my devices, iPhone, iPad, and Mac. It's taught by the Icon Factory. 
So Todd came out a few months ago, and it's uh, the best way to describe it is, is it's a simple scratch pad. It's exactly what drafts used to be at the beginning, but it comes with seven different uh, views. So the idea behind Todd is that you have this window, which is a text area, where you can paste anything you want, any plain text you want, you can paste it. Or you can also make it rich text, but you cannot enter images, just either plain text or rich text. And at the top of the app, you have these seven dots, and each dot is a blank page. So you, effectively, you have seven blank pages in top. And I use top because it's so fast, and it gets out of the way, and it lets me save plain text, and it syncs that text super fast across all of my devices. So I use Tot the way that I used to use drafts uh, seven years ago. It's a, play, it's, it's a place where I just I tap on an icon and I hit paste and I'm done. So I have all sorts of random bits of text, like from phone numbers to like sometimes my grocery list and my Pokemon notes and um, emails that I start composing in Tot because I fear of accidentally clicking send in mail while I'm typing them. Uh, I have all kinds of... Um, plain text content in Tot. And it's so fast and it's so nice because even like it's a, it's a good example of a minimalistic note-taking app that has got an excellent attention to detail with the colors and the custom icons that you can use and the menus. It's super well done. I, I am not, as I wrote in my regional review, I am not a fan of the business model in that Tot is available for free on the Mac, but then if you want to use it on iOS and iPadOS, it's like $20. Uh, I, I understand sort of the motivation behind it, but I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, only iPhone and iPad users are like sort of penalized if they want to use the mobile version. I'm not necessarily a fan of that, but because the application is so good, I just, I, I purchased it because I use it a lot. Like it's one of the apps that I, that it was definitely one of the icons that I find myself tapping on my home screen uh, most frequently every day. Um, do you have any additions to this, Ryan, before I move on to my next picks? No, there's there's a lot of things in the note-taking <laughs> area, and there are a lot it's, more to yeah. come. But Yeah, so, uh, so the next category of apps that I want to highlight, I refer to them as visual note-taking, because so far I have focused primarily on text and apps that allow you to enter both text and attachments at the same time. Um, now I want to talk about sort of uh, apps that are more focused on the visual aspects of things. Um, so right off the bat, good notes and notability. Um, so by visual note taking, I mean apps that allow you to that give you a canvas where you can freely organize your thoughts and notes. Um, and in the case of good notes and notability, I think. They are very popular apps among students because they allow you to enter notes and annotate documents using the Apple Pencil, which is something very important to the iPad experience that we should cover because I don't personally use the pencil a lot, but if you're a student and you're taking notes during classes or if you need to annotate documents, I think that the Apple Pencil is an absolute essential tool for your iPad workflow. And good notes and notability there's long been like a debate um, as to which one is the better one. And I think there are they're very similar products, but I think there are some differences that um, are worth considering. Um, I am not an expert on like which one, like what are the exact details 
about good notes and notability uh, today in 2020. Uh, but for example, I remember that in good notes, you can have custom templates, uh, which is something that I used to, uh, a few years ago, uh, when I was playing around with good notes, I had my girlfriend make me a custom Mac stories page template <laughs> that I used in good notes. And um, good notes is also available on the Mac with the Mac Catalyst app. Uh, it's got that um, OCR and full text search. Um, both applications allow you to enter shapes, uh, but if you Google the differences between GoodNotes and Notability, I am 100% sure you will find Reddit threads where people have these insanely long checklists comparing both applications. They are definitely both solid, and they are consistently at the top paid charts, like the, the top spots of the paid charts on the iPad App Store. Um, I also want to mention Concepts, so Concepts is a very peculiar uh, iPad app. John reviewed this one on Mac Stories a couple of years ago. It's a freeform infinite canvas for entering all kinds of notes. So you can draw with the Apple Pencil, you can handwrite, you can type text, you can enter images, you can enter documents. It's like, imagine a mind map, but without a structure. It's a freeform canvas that you can zoom in and out as much as you want. And it's, it looks very complicated at a glance, like you have all these palettes of tools to choose from. Uh, and I recommend, um, go check out the review that John had on Mac Stories, because John uses this as a note-taking, as a free-form note-taking app to jot down visually on a page all kinds of notes. And it's a very fascinating use case that I keep telling myself I should actually check this out, and I never do. So it's, it's on my list of things to play around with this summer. And speaking of freeform uh, not visual note-taking, um, I have to mention, even though most people may ne not necessarily include these two apps in this list, I will mention MindNode and iThoughts. These are two mind-mapping apps, and arguably they are the best ones that you can find on the platform. And I know that a lot of folks use mind maps as note-taking apps, essentially. And I understand why, because it's, uh, the, it's got that same visual approach of uh, concepts, but it's got the structure that comes with a mind map. So the idea that you can have branches and sub-branches and you have nodes and you can use drag and drop to rearrange your thoughts. I understand why people who are uh, visual thinkers may prefer a mind map because it gives you that structure, that sense of hierarchy and priority that you don't necessarily have in a, in a text editor. So I use MindNode personally. I, I live in MindNode in the summer when I'm working on my iOS review and whenever I work on a long-form story, I always use MindNode because it's my absolute favorite tool to organize my thoughts with a sort of a hierarchy that follows the flow of a story that I'm working on. And MindNode was recently updated with support for the iPadOS trackpad. And now I believe just a couple of days ago, a new version came out with support for context menus with by right-clicking on a node. So that's very nice. Um, I have more to share, Ryan, and I, I apologize, but this is very... <laughs> uh, uh, the rich ecosystem of different apps available on iPad. Um, there's a, the, just like with task managers, there's a few cross-platform options worth uh, mentioning. 
OneNote uh, by Microsoft. If you live in the Microsoft ecosystem, I think you should check out OneNote because of that integration with other Microsoft services and because maybe you do like the Microsoft design language. Uh, OneNote also has support for the Apple Pencil, so that's a, that's a welcome uh, feature. Evernote, I don't think I need to say anything about Evernote. It's been around forever. It's been much criticized over the years for all the performance issues and bugs. And I tried Evernote again last year and I used it for a couple of months and ultimately I came away once again disappointed. But I understand why some people to this day uh, still use Evernote because it's got a selection of features that you cannot find anywhere else. Um, and it's available on the web. It's available on all kinds of devices. And especially if you rely on the desktop application uh, for things like automatic suggestions for related notes, I understand why people still use it. And obviously, the the big contender here, the sort of the new kid on the block that a lot of people are really passionate about is Notion. And Notion is very hard to describe in, in just a couple of minutes, but it's this new way to um, organize your workspace and your notes with sort of like a wiki style approach of like being able to link everything together, but also the idea that a page in Notion, it's not just text, it's not just images or links, but a page in Notion can be sort of like, like an application in and of itself. So like you can have a calendar inside of an page in Notion, or you can have a Trello, sort of like a Trello, like a Kanban board inside of it. You can have a task list, you can have a gallery of images, you can have a, uh, these interactive experiences that you don't necessarily have with native apps. But Notion, of course, one of the big problems with it that I think maybe it's getting better now, uh, the native experience on iPad was not necessarily good enough. You can tell that it was, that it was like a wrapper for a web view. And I think Notion is getting better at that. Um, I am definitely keeping an eye on Notion, and I am I am planning to use Notion for a very narrow use case, which is to write and share Mac story specific documentation with you, Ryan and John. So, um, but I, I know that a lot of people use Notion for all sorts of note taking. Some people use Notion as their calendar. Some people use Notion as their task manager. So, uh, a very very fascinating new product. Lastly. Some other approaches for note-taking, worth mentioning. If you're new to iPad, you want to check out something uh, different and, and unusual, maybe. Um, there's Nebo. Nebo is a handwriting-based note-taking app that uses the Apple Pencil to let you handwrite and transform that, um, those notes to, to plain text. And the handwriting and the text recognition in Nebo is really, really well done and fast. I think it's better than the standard handwriting support in Apple Notes, for example. So that's, go check it out. I think you can also download it for free from the App Store. Agenda, which is a previous Mac Stories Selects Award winner, is a very unique take on note-taking that combines text and calendar um, in the same experience. You can have notes that have a due date and you can have notes attached to calendar events. Very, very unique and, and uh, innovative um, spin on the usual note-taking product. And I also want to mention two plain text um, text editors that maybe you can also sort of use as a, as a note-taking app. Uh, so if you're the type of person 
is, is what I'm going to say. If you're the type of person who still likes to save your notes as plain text files in your Dropbox or iCloud Drive account, like actual .txt or .md text files, go check out uh, two apps I want to mention. Femto, that's F-E-M-T-O, Femto, is a text editor that allows you to quickly switch between plain text documents. Uh, really well done. It's on the iPhone and iPad, and it works excellently with the file speaker. And Pretext. And Pretext is a document browser-based text editor. But again, if you're the type of person who organizes your notes as um, standalone files in a folder, Pretext is really good because it lets you, every time you open it, it defaults to the, to the document browser view, to the files view. So you can browse to your Dropbox account or to your iCloud Drive account and tap on the text file that you want to open and it opens instantly. So then you can make changes and you click done and the changes are instantly saved without creating a duplicate. So uh, definitely an old school approach, but I know that a lot of folks still rely on it. So I want to mention this to you. Oof. And I, and I feel that's like I can scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I we, could go on, but I, I hope I, I hope we didn't overwhelm anyone. And we haven't even gotten to all the categories we hope to get to, but we need to wrap up. And I, yeah. I, maybe just as a closing word, I'd say with each of these three categories that we've talked about today, with task management, calendars, and note taking, Apple has some really good options that are pre-installed that can be good starting points if you don't want to kind of delve into the world of all these different third-party options that are out there, you you may be okay sticking with reminders and calendar and notes. But if you've heard something about these different apps that that intrigues you or that sounds like, oh, that that's something that I need. I need an app that does this or that does that, then you know, hopefully that's that's a good way to go about it. You probably don't want to necessarily download all of these different apps and you know, go in-depth testing all of them. That's that's kind of what our job is. And so we know all the ins and outs of these apps. But uh, but if you heard something that sounds like, oh yeah, I, I definitely need that feature in my calendar app or in my note-taking app, then hopefully this has been helpful for you. But but don't be overwhelmed thinking, oh, I need to try all these different options to, to find out what the best one is for me. Um, hopefully that won't be the case because there's a lot of yeah. good apps, which is a good problem to have, honestly. So next time we'll talk WWDC. We'll hopefully have iPadOS 14 stuff to talk about. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll try not to get my hopes up, but they are kind of up already. Um, But for now, uh, this has been episode 27 of Adapt. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor for today, Kingdom from SolarWinds. Uh, To find show notes for this episode, which are always important, but are especially important today because we have links to all the apps that we've mentioned. We have links to different Mac Stories articles that we've mentioned as well. So you can find those show notes either in the podcast app you're listening in right now or on our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 27. To follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at iRyan. TLDR. That's I-R-Y-A-N TLDR. We're both writing at MacStories.net where we will hopefully have a nice meaty in-depth overview of iPadOS 14 and all of its amazing features. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, then at least we'll have, you know, overviews of iOS 14 and macOS and all, all the other updates which may get more attention. We shall see. Yeah. 
Um, but until next time, until we have new things to talk about from WWDC, uh, it's time to say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. Bye.